The way that technology has expanded throughout the last decade has been impressive, and the expansion is set to continue. As we move into the future, we can expect that technology will be used in more ways than ever before, including for things like image recognition. Zineb Laraki, the Deep Learning Senior Product Manager at Salesforce, is helping to build out that technology and more, which she says could change the way that people work. She explains it all on this episode of IT Visionaries. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform. This episode is part of a special series on the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the platform that powers the world's number one CRM. In this series, executives from Salesforce will discuss how using 10 innovative technologies, including AI, blockchain, and automation, can help you drive the digital transformation of every experience and get you closer to your customers. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in the top half, almost, of the Salesforce Tower here in San Francisco. Sneb, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am super excited today to be <laughs> talking about deep learning um, and something else in the deep, great white sharks and other sharks. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about... Agile AI, uh, and a bunch of other things. But first, how did you get started in technology? Well, I got started pretty early on. I'd say my dad's a pretty early adopter, and I think from a very young age kind of instilled that in us. Like, I remember the first, like, computer I got, one of the first computers I got was, like, an Apple computer and a Mac, and, like, at that point, nobody had Macs. And I was like, what is that? And, you know, it was just kind of, like, already uh, starting early in tech. I remember like a USB stick and my computer teacher did not know what it was. I teach computer classes when I was in high school. I think I've always been kind of like between techie and fuzzy. So what's, what's techie and fuzzy? Okay, so it's like more technical science, like engineering, math versus like arts and English. Mm. So I've always had like that balance. I've really enjoyed doing that. When I was in high school, like international baccalaureate, I did both of those things. Even like when I look at my college degrees, what I was interested in, I've always been doing that. And I think even now as a product person, you know, it's kind of like that balance of both technical engineering side of things, but also the more like design business side as well. Yeah. If uh, it sounds like the fuzzy technologist is uh, a, a future podcast from uh, coming from mission. Um, <laughs> so. Flash forward to today. Tell me a little bit about your role at Salesforce. So as I mentioned, I'm the product owner for computer vision and natural language processing. And really, half my team is the Salesforce research team. So literally advancing the state of the art in computer vision, NLP, voice. They're like writing papers, talking at conferences, you know, pushing the boundaries of AI. And then the other half of my team is the applied research and engineering team. And so... We work very closely on taking the latest breakthroughs and bringing those to market for our customers, solving, you know, customer pain points. And we focus really on democratizing AI, making it very easy and accessible so that, you know, any customer without necessarily having, you know, a team of data scientists or the whole infrastructure is able to deploy and use these models. So let's talk sharks. In this particular piece, Great White Sharks, 
tell me about this project and like what how this is involved in AI. This project started with the Mark Benioff uh, Ocean Initiative. And basically, there's a surgeon of white sharks on the coast of California. And so we were asked to help figure out, can we use drones to identify when there's sharks in the water so that we can let both marine biologists as well as lifeguards know so that they can take action. And so this was a really cool and interesting computer vision challenge, um, looking at not only being able to identify the sharks in the water, right? And, you know, iterating on our model when it first was like uh, identifying algaes and now kind of really good at identifying sharks. But we also developed new technology to be able to identify objects or animals that are moving. Yeah. And so that was also a very interesting part of the project. For me, another really interesting part of all of this is not only the, it's part of our AI for good initiatives that Mm -hmm. we're working on. I also think it's a good illustration of the way that new jobs are being created or can be created. You know, oftentimes I think in the NGO space, you can move ahead or you can talk more publicly about certain use cases, right? So with this use case, not only are you seeing kind of the great ecosystem of like Salesforce with like computer vision as well as like Salesforce field service, uh, et cetera. It's also about, you know, this new type of job of like there's actually you need someone who's going to be like a drone pilot. Yeah. and who's, You know what I mean? And those are, I think, like, um, you know, sometimes people get scared about all the AI is taking away our jobs. And I think this is kind of a great illustration of like, no, we're also like creating a lot of jobs that people don't necessarily think of. But I think the other thing that's really cool is like, We're also like talking to different like electrical companies to like surveil electricity lines and see if they're tilted or close to vegetation or thinking about like uh, surveilling roads and seeing when they need to get fixed. And so I think these are kind of like the early days of a lot of these proactive ways of dealing with some of the ways that, you know, society functions. Yeah. And I think. You know, in the case of the, you know, shark species, it's like a leopard shark is, you know, not dangerous to humans and a great white potentially could be. But at the end of the day, you know, when somebody sees a shark in the water, they just see a shark, right? (laughs) But with image recognition and and vision and AI, to be able to, like, develop the data for these models is, like you said, it's extremely impactful. And the number of use cases, I think, kind of are endless, obviously, so how does the technology on the back end work with Einstein and being able to, you know, leverage and make sense of, of this type of, uh, you know, image and computer vision? Yeah, so on the back end, if you will, we're using what's called a convolutional neural net. And that's typical kind of in computer vision. But really what we do is we like tell people like, you don't have to worry about any of this. Uh, we make it very easy for our customers So it's like simple REST APIs or even like a UI. So like all customers have to do is like upload their data, they click a button, and then their model is trained. And then we provide them model metrics, or basically we help them understand how well their model is performing so that they can like improve it. And then once they're happy with it, they can integrate it into their application. So that's kind of what we focus on is really uh, lowering the bar so that anyone can train these models specifically for their use cases. So what would people be in, the, in these type of cases? Are they uploading, you know, 
a bunch of images? Are they uploading, you know, a bunch of data that they have, you know, off a bunch of different, you know, data sources? Like, what are they doing? Yeah, so it's a lot of images. So depending on what kind of computer vision uh, service you're using, the type of data is a little bit different. So for image classification, it's really simple. It's like literally just images and folders. And that's how you classify. That's how you create the classes, the different categories, if you will. Once your model is trained, you give it an image and it'll tell you which of these categories it belongs to. So you recently gave a talk at Dreamforce about agile AI and best practices for computer vision. Kind of what was the uh, was the vision, pardon the pun here, with uh, giving that talk and uh, what were you excited to share? Yeah, so I think in general, you know, we've really made it very easy for customers to train their model. And we're, we're focusing on specific CRM use cases. One of the kind of common obstacles, if you will, I'd say one is around data. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the first things that come up. It's like, you know, A, if you have the data, make sure to like clean it up and QA it. And then if you don't, I think that's often the hard part is like, how do I get started? So, you know, just telling people just go out there, collect it, you know, spend some time doing that. And then the other hard part is like labeling the data. No one's job. That's the problem. It's nobody's job to do any of these things right yeah. now. So it's not so much that this is hard necessarily, it's just like these things aren't scoped into the project. And that's really, I think, core to the success of any of these projects is making sure to scope these projects correctly. Um, and that's why I kind of, you know, this whole thing around agile AI is um, basically, you know, I'll give you kind of a very simple example. Are you familiar with with Waterfall versus Agile? Sure. Okay. So in Waterfall, let's say your goal is to build a car, right? For Waterfall, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to create the tires, then the motor, then the you know body, and then you know two years later, you'll have a car. For Agile, the idea is to think about how can I bring value to customers at every step? So I'll start with like a skateboard and then a bike and then a motorcycle. And so thinking about your AI projects in a very similar manner. So let's say you wanted to create a model to understand all the fruits in the world, right? So the common hurdle that a lot of customers come into is like they try to do everything at once. I'm going to create all the fruits in the world. If you scope your project that way, like it'll take you years to just like collect, A, get a list of all the fruits, collect the data, train the model, you know, and it's like you're project is going to get defunded before you know you're even halfway there. Mm -hmm. However, if you kind of reframe it and you're like, okay, I'm going to start with just the most two most important fruits in the world. I'm going to start with apples and oranges. Oh, what? Bananas are way more important. <laughs> okay. App oh my goodness. <laughs> you can pick the first, you know, whichever. We're going with bananas. Okay, bananas. <laughs> bananas and and apples. Cool. They're like self-contained. <laughs> like you don't ha even have to. You don't have to wash them. Yeah, it's just a better fruit. Package anyway. them. <laughs> gosh, this is getting me off my game here. Um, okay, so we're gonna choose bananas, and I mean, we'll do apples in this case. Okay, but. you're okay with apples. <laughs> cool. So you just start with those two, and then you're gonna collect images. You're gonna train your model. So your model at first is gonna know only those two things. So the first time you give it, let's say you had only examples of red apples, for example and yellow bananas. The first time it sees a green apple, it's gonna, or a yellow apple, it's gonna think it's a banana because all it's seen that's yellow has been a banana and all it's seen that's red has been apples, right? And so the first time it's gonna, you know, misclassify it. And so you're gonna have to be like, no, actually this is an apple. And so you're gonna 
provide what we call a feedback loop. So that's really important to kind of include that in your application process, right? In your development process. And then over time, your model is going to be able to recognize that's the right thing. So the other thing you want to make sure is to include what we call a negative data set. All that means is other, because you have other fruits, right? Somebody might give you a picture of a pear, right? So the first time it's going to see a pear, it's not going to know that it's other, so it's going to think it's an apple or whatever. So you're going to put it in that category. And then over time, what you're going to realize is that, A, your model's gotten really good at you know, understanding the two categories you started with, but it's also you have a bunch of data to create, you know, new categories because that's people submitted, you know, whatever they were taking pictures of, for example. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I can't really get past the like Granny Smith apples are trash and this kind of thing. So I feel <laughs> like they shouldn't be included in the data set, but fundamentally I'm with you. So if you're, you know, a technology leader that's hasn't messed around at all with any type of image-based AI, what would you, you know, and so your recommendation is like, you know, start with those two sort of things. What's like a business use case that that you potentially have seen where someone could get started with it pretty easily? Yeah, so... Unless you're a grocer and then this whole Apple banana thing would be <laughs> extremely... No, but I think like this this use case resonates a lot with, with customers in general. And it's the, the idea of like, Starting with, instead of trying to do everything at once, starting with kind of like your big use cases. So, for example, for car damage, right? Yes, in an ideal world, you would want a model that would be able to understand all the different variations of the different types of damage. But if you're trying to create that model from scratch, it's going to require so much data and so much time. It's not really a feasible, like you're not going to start seeing ROI mm-hmm. for a while. So what you want to do instead is create like bigger buckets that are still v- bringing you value. So is this w- windshield totaled, mildly, severely damaged, and then kind of doing that with like the big body parts. And you start with a model that can do that. And then once you have a good model that does that, which already brings value because then you're already able to do estimates and process like claims faster. And then you can iterate and create, you know, additional categories. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Is there any sort of like common pitfalls or or challenges that you see with technology leaders as they start to kind of roll out these image-based, you know, image recognition type initiatives? So as I mentioned, I think like this, the scoping one is, is a really big one. The key to the success of these projects is scoping these projects correctly. And I think sometimes the hype around AI kind of makes that people kind of set expect, you know what I mean? The reality of of what it's like, it's not magic, right? It's like, it's not going to be able to tell you what's not in the image. Yeah. (laughs) Right. If a human can't do it, likely you won't get a computer to do it. Right. So it's like uh, kind of like crazy things sometimes to say, but like, you know, just kind of starting with the basics is very important. And then making sure at the very beginning of the project that you're setting up, you know, your goals very clearly you know, resourcing the projects very clearly and setting your, you know, milestones and timelines. I know it sounds kind of like crazy that you're kind of going back to these like very simplistic things, but that's oftentimes the pitfalls that I've seen is just like, you know, people get so excited and they just kind of want to get started and kind of forget almost the basics. And I've heard from so many customers that have been successful with this. It's like the hard part isn't the AI. The hard part is actually scoping the projects correctly and resourcing them, right? It's like, that's really the the key to these things, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it is crazy. 
side note on the, uh, you know, what you can't see in the image. I forget the stand-up comedian who who said this joke, but like, has anyone realized that a robot is asking us to verify that you're not a robot because uh, you're trying to see if we, you know, which one of these images has stop signs mm-hmm. uh, so the robot can tell you you're not a robot? And I always thought that was pretty great. <laughs> it's like, it kind of feels like image... Um, Image recognition is kind of like that sometimes. Where do you feel like we are in the scope of how many people are using this technology versus kind of like where we're going? What's the roadmap roadmap look like? Well, I think here in San Francisco, it's a little different than the rest of the world, right? Sure. You go out walking around San Francisco and you see like cars being driven to like teach, you know, for self-driving cars. And, and, and so I think like we're a bit ahead of the curve in a lot of these things. In terms of like technology itself, like computer vision is actually one of the, in terms of like deep learning models, one that performs the best and is able to, in many cases, perform as well, if not better than humans. So it's, I think, like just a matter of figuring out the value add use cases. The problem also still remains in the training of these models the amount of data oftentimes needed to train these models can be pretty high. Yeah. And that's something my team is working quite a lot on is like, how can we reduce the amount of examples needed to train on models? Yeah. Well, and I would add that part of the classification piece that we were talking about, I'm curious to some best practices for this. Yeah. I kind of think of it sometimes like how many images we have on our phone that are pretty dumb images, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, all I have is the date timestamp of like when this was taken. My phone is chronological in all of its images. Uh, if I was to be able to share these with somebody else, like I pretty much have one one data set on this. You're, I don't know if you've noticed your Apple phone, like you can search, you can do visual search on your phone now. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. So like Apple has provided that now where you can like search like dog. Oh yeah, that's true. All. Yeah. No, so no, no like, yeah, I did know that. Um, and it, and it knows like selfies and it knows some mm-hmm. other stuff. Well, selfies, I guess is just angle of camera. But he knows like what um, the peanut gallery is laughing back here. Um, but it does tell you like, you know, images with me or, you know, with girlfriend people, or whoever yeah. it is. Yeah, that's true. But it's still not really like shareable. It's not easy to be able to like immediately share that stuff with other people based off of like who's in the photo or anything like that. I'm just saying yeah, it doesn't feel yet, yet if, for me. Yeah, but I think that's not so much a problem of like computer vision but more kind of like the surrounding technologies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it's not the problem with computer vision. It's like these are not categorized on my phone in any way other than the date in which I took them, right? So if I wanted to categorize like these, you know, like the files are only saved under one thing. Like this is if you, you know, take a bunch of photos with your camera like like Catherine's doing right now, walking around our, our little studio here is... It just says like, you know, IMG dot whatever, whatever number it is. What are some best practices in ways that when you're doing this like at scale, that the input of those images can be streamlined? Because it seems like it's a huge thing, a barrier. I I don't know if I'm going to answer your question directly, but I'm going to kind of draw a parallel to something that like I've noticed with how we've been working with customers. So for our computer vision functionality, we work directly with customers and that allows us to find like product market fit and iterate and like find specific use cases that matter, you know, what what are the pain points that we can help solve? 
And that's great. It allows us to kind of find that product market fit fast. But really, in terms of scalability, what most customers want is packaged applications. And so even though we have this like easy to use like solution that allows you to do all these cool things, until it's baked into an end-to-end application, mm-hmm. it's you're not going to start seeing that scale, that adoption that you're kind of talking about. So I think like consumer goods, I don't know if you've seen that. It's kind of like one of the new clouds that we've just released is a great example of that, where we started from actually a customer coming to us being like, hey, can you help us solve this problem? You know, we send these field sales reps to the stores. They're literally like spending time counting products on shelves. Yeah. We just want to take a picture and like, can you automate that for us? And so we work directly with customers on that. Okay, yay, we can solve this problem better than what's out there in the market. And now for adoption, we've kind of worked with, you know, our internal team, you know, a cloud here to like package this so that it's like an end-to-end application. So it's not just like, hey, there's this computer vision that you can use to do this. It's like, here's an end-to-end application that your field sales rep can use to not only do the computer vision part, but also, you know, integrates like map anything and, you know, Mm -hmm. prediction builder so that you can know what, you know, what to upsell and all these different types of functionalities. So it's like an end-to-end application versus just like a point solution. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think for the instance that you were talking about, you have, you know, this field service person who normally was going back through and and recording things by hand, which is obviously very silly. So walk me through, like, what does this look like for that person on the ground and how can they get kind of business results out of this? Yeah. So the value, there's like value adds kind of like for the different kind of personas or, or, or business users, right? So for the field sales rep who's out in the stores, they used to have to spend time like manually counting products on the shelf. That's not very, you know, thrilling work, right? Totally. It's a very mundane work. Um, so now they can just like take a picture and that can like automatically understand all the different products on the shelves and do the calculations for them. Um, and so they can then spend time on more meaningful tasks. So they can like spend time developing a relationship with the store managers or visiting more stores. So, you know, for them, they're incentivized to do this because it's way more exciting or, more, you know, more fulfilling than having to just like sit there counting products on a shelf. And personally, like that's what kind of really excites me. And I think like a lot of people on my team is like automating these like mundane tasks that we all have to do every day. And so that people can work on more exciting and fulfilling parts of their jobs. Um, so this one being one, another use case being around OCR or optical character recognition. So there's a lot of people whose jobs it is to just like manually enter data, you know, just sitting there and yeah. and doing that. And so we're working on being able to just like completely automate that process as well. So that you can just like take a picture and it'll, you know, digitize that document or that business card or whatever it may be. And so what are some of the kind of like from the business side of thing, like the business results, what are the reports that, you know, the the VP of sales or the GM or the the manager is kind of receiving, like what's the kind of change for those folks? Yeah. So you can think about like computer vision as the ability to turn like unstructured data into structured data that you can then run analytics on top of. Mm -hmm. And so you now kind of can gain insights where you couldn't really before. So back to the retail execution use case, or you've spent a lot of time like doing like, you know, counting products on shelves, which is like very time consuming, or you didn't have that visibility, you didn't have those insights about what was actually out in the store. And so now you can have, you know, with the help of like computer vision and analytics, complete dashboards of understanding, okay, what's 
the compliance percentage? How are your different stores looking like? And so really kind of gaining that insight that you just didn't have before. I want to talk about the ethical side of this. You know, obviously with like image capture and like voluntary versus involuntary and how things are being used, like how do you look at ethics uh, in relation to these products? Ethics is really kind of core to our product development cycle. It's not like an afterthought or like, you know, I like to draw the parallel that like, you know, in the early days of like software development, design used to be something that would come at the end, mm-hmm. right? And like now it's like, you know, at the very beginning of the process, if not, you know, the thing that you start with. And I think ethics is a little bit the same where we, and our team is kind of leading this, where we're kind of like thinking about the AI and development of AI with like ethics at the very beginning and not like an afterthought. And it's something that we take into account in, you know, the products that we decide to use, what the terms and conditions that we have. And we take this very seriously. I see our job not only thinking about for the products that we develop, but also, you know, a lot of what we do is making AI very accessible for our customers to build their own models. And so a lot of our responsibility is making sure that we train them to understand the consequences intended or unintended of the models that they're building so that they can make the right decisions. And as one of the kind of innovation arms of Salesforce, like how do you view you know, innovation, uh, you know, here, but also, you know, with regards to kind of like helping your customers innovate these these type of problems? I think something that's been great to to notice is that a lot of the innovation that's coming out of our team is driven from customer demand, right? So OCR being one of the projects that we've been working on more recently, um, that kind of stemmed like almost a year ago exactly from a conversation with a customer. One of our you know, our head of applied research was in a meeting with me in, uh, at Dreamforce last year. Um, and one of the, you know, customers was asking about, like, being able to read, like, price tags. And then we had a bunch of other customers asking for, you know, being able to read text and images. And so, you know, then we were like, okay, can we solve this problem better than what's out there in the market? And really focusing on, like, CRM use cases. Once again, I think, you know, we're not trying to be, like, computer vision for everyone, but really yeah. kind of, like, solving problems for our customers and making sure that, they understand their customers better, making sure that their employees are working better. And so, you know, once we validate it, yes, you know, we can solve these problems better than, you know, what's out there in the market. Then we are like, OK, let's test it out with our customers. And then now we're working in integrating it with different like teams at Salesforce back into that packaged application we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And so what's next? What's next for the team? We were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think we're still very much in the early days of this. Salesforce customers don't currently save a lot of their image data. Mm-hmm. And even if they do, it's not necessarily on Salesforce. And you don't need it to be to be able to leverage these this technology. But I think, you know, as people are able to uh, see more and more use cases where they're seeing value add, where like workflows are being streamlined or or we're creating better experiences for their customers then you're going to start seeing more and more adoption of, of these um, of these use cases, of these products. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like using the Salesforce Customer 360 platform. You know it well. I don't need to tell it to you. But for everyone else, they should know that it's the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. And go check it out. We love platform when we love Salesforce, so go do it. See, 
Are you ready for lightning round questions? Let's go for it. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? I go through phases. Right now I'm like playing games on my phone that I really enjoy. Favorite game? I don't actually spend that much time on my phone. It's called Two for Two. What about your favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? I'm reading right now Power Up, um, which I'm really enjoying. And then before that, I was uh, reading the Brandon Sanderson like fantasy books, which I really like, the Mistborn series. And then before that, Prediction Machine and The Goldfinch. <laughs> the holidays are right around the corner. What is your favorite holiday family tradition? My favorite holiday family tradition? Um, I'm going to change that question a little bit and tell you about like a weird family thing that we do. Sure. Uh, that I really enjoy. Maybe because my birthday is coming up too, but... <laughs> um, we sing happy birthday in all the different languages. So like when we're all together as a family, we'll do like all the different languages and then we'll like do different animal sounds. <laughs> so, you know, we'll sing it like in French and Arabic and English. And then we'll do like, woof, 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 you know, and then moo, moo, moo. And just like as a child, you know, especially when it's your birthday, yeah. you're just like, oh my God, this is so long. Like, I don't want the intention to be on me, but um, I don't know. It's a fun tradition. That, that is we, funny. Yeah. That's a good tradition. Favorite holiday dish to cook or eat? I'm Moroccan salsa pastelo. What thing are you most excited about for the future of technology? So for me, you know, I nerd out. Like I really like thinking about like the brain and consciousness and how do we get like, how do humans learn? How do we like computers to learn? But I think what matters to me most is like impact. Like I really... Like, I really enjoy thinking about, like, the future of society and what it can be. And for me, it's, like, really thinking about, like, that's what I, what I get excited about my job is really thinking about, like, how can we make everyone's life better so that it's, like, we're all doing, like, very mundane things in our lives. How can we streamline, automate those so we can, you know, do more fulfilling things? Um, because I wake up happy working, you know, and I want everyone to be able to do that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Great, uh... Great thing to end on. Thanks so much, Z, for coming on the show. Uh, any final thoughts? Any things to plug? Check out Customer 360. Great platform. I think with all the, the new technology, it's about finding a use case, a pain point that you're having and just focusing on solving like small problems and kind of walk before you run, kind of. Yeah, no, it's, it's great advice. And I think uh, I love that we're bringing bananas back into the uh, top two uh, fruit conversations. So... <laughs> One, uh, one day at a time. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Thanks. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.